Good morning, my name is Layla. This is Jared to Jared. On this week's episode, the Jareds will discuss the Demeter, Becoming Death, The Lion God, Ancestry.com, and much, much more. Okay, boys, time to get started. Bro, we gotta watch that one, because that's like. Actually, like, I feel like you could learn quite a lot from Borat. Oh, yeah, I was watching it earlier today. Oh, you did watch it? Not the full thing. I got like 45 minutes in. Oh, okay. Shit, I still gotta watch it then. It's a good recap. Yeah. Watch it and we'll talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I'll hold off so that we can have like a full conversation on it. The aughts, though. Very yeah. bizarre time, you know. There's something to it. I feel like now we're far enough away that we can start to like categorize and conceptualize what they were. Right. You know? And bizarre the uh the culture after 9-11. So patriotic and just like <laughs> yeah. when Borat goes to that uh rodeo. I don't know if you remember so well, but man, I think that's, I remember that scene, that's yeah. Freaking crazy, man. Yeah. No, bro, I remember I forgot the guy's name, but there's that song that was like, I'm proud to be an American. Oh, you yeah, know? Yeah, that yeah. song was like mm-hmm. on the radio every day, all day when I was in like elementary and middle school. Oh my god, I hate that song. Hey. I thought you were a patriot. <laughs> I thought you loved America, you piece. Oh, you loved America, America bro. Proud <laughs> to be in America. Oh, yeah. man, so good. Um, my friend works at the veterans um, bar here in town. Yeah, and uh, she hates that song. She's like, "Man, they play it so often. Just like everybody uh, always uh, has uh, to do it for a freaking karaoke night." Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Would be weird to be a soldier, though, and have that, like, camaraderie, you know, brotherhood, and, like, be right. part of, like, a really weird group. But then there's soldiers that really do reject that culture as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess it just depends on the person, you know? It seems like coping strategies. Like, is your coping strategy to, like, identify really hard with a thing and, like, pull it in? Or is your coping strategy to, like, push it away and forget that it ever happened, you know? Right, right. Man, do you remember back in the day when they hung Osama bin Laden? That was freaking wild. Yeah. They, like, put it on TV and shit. They're like, we want you guys to see this, you know? Where were you when they got Osama? Yelling and shouting and not Osama, but uh, Saddam. Saddam. Yeah, yeah. Saddam was the wild one because they like showed it on TV of him like getting hung and they hung him in that fucking weird room and he is like screaming, Samaria! Dudes with like black bags over their face, like some execution shit man big time yeah yeah and, they and just then they show him hang and he just he's hanging there it was yeah. crazy too because back then you could like look that shit up on like nbc.com like <laughs> the government wanted us to see kids everybody oh yeah it's all propaganda you crazy, know? man yeah nuts Freaking, uh, what the hell was his name <laughs> saddam saddam <laughs> Freaking Saddam. I, I don't really remember like 
the details of that one, like like where I was and stuff. But I remember the Osama bin Laden one because I was in my first year of college. Yeah. We were like all stoned playing Super Smash Brothers and like this other kid in dorms runs in and he's like, guys, they got Osama. We <laughs> <laughs> finally caught him, man. We're just like, what? <laughs> they showed him and two all shot up in that hole, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember they threw his body from a freaking helicopter into the ocean. Really? Yeah, because they didn't want, you know, they didn't want him to become like a martyr and his body to become this like idolized thing. So they um, they literally took it in a helicopter, flew out to the middle of the ocean and just like dropped it into the ocean. Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that fucking nuts? The symbolism. I know. (laughs) I mean, that that's so us, though, right? Just like just like, yeah, this never happened. Didn't exist. Osama, who's that? You know? Never heard of him. <laughs> Borat. He's like, I hope that George Bush drinks the blood of every man, woman, and child in Iraq. <laughs> Not even a lizard will survive in that terrible country. Just like, damn. Caring, yeah. though, you know. The 2000s were weird, man. Draconian era. God. Yeah. Bro, and I was thinking, too, about, like, the surveillance state that we currently live in. We're like... I w- okay, I went on a walk like the other night and I'm looking around and I see, you know, everyone has like um, um, video cameras on their doorsteps and all the uh, everyone's cars are like armored vehicles and shit, you know, and then this cop car drives by and is this, his like giant FTV, SUV. It's like it's like we are like a we're a militarized culture, at least an aesthetic, you know, like I feel like we love military aesthetic because like during the, the 2000s. Like like the Hummer, everyone started driving Hummers. Hummers were military vehicles. It was like driving a fucking tank down the road. Right. And now when you have like the Ford F one fifties, Super Duties, all these like gigantic ass cars, like you wouldn't have had those without the Hummer. You know, I feel like so much of our of our style and aesthetic in America is is military. From military culture. Yeah. I, I even I I speak a little bit about camouflage too becoming a fashion movement. You know. Oh, yeah, period. And uh, again, just taking military as a cultural movement and how it's adapted and filtered through things like dress, music, vehicle design, uh, certainly even on personal levels, how we see masculinity, femininity, um, you know, right goes on race, you you know, yeah, but there's also like a um like a friend described this idea to me as like political cosplay where it's like, you know, let's say January 6th, you have all like the, uh, the rioters at the, at the Capitol and everything. It's like so many of those dudes are just like super out of shape, like ridiculous looking. And, and I don't know, like, like, you know, voter for voter fraud isn't an actual thing. They just kind of like wanted to have something to rebel about. Right. And it's all political cosplay. It's like, it's like, you know, we're like, like pretending you're in the Boston Tea Party or something like that, you know? Yeah, dressing up in like Party City SWAT team outfit, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird. Cool, man. Did you get that at GameStop? Like, hey, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. pretty silly. Right, uh, right. But again, that's us trying to objectify, people trying to objectify their lives. Yeah. A military standard, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do this, I wear this, and I have these such and such politics, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I was thinking about leadership. This is kind of a sidebar. There, the only leader is the reluctant leader, right? The only true leader. The yeah. only true leader is a reluctant leader. Why? Because that person is a leader naturally. People follow them even when they don't want them to. Yeah. You know, their actions, their aesthetic, their look, whatever it is, people follow them. You know, something that bothers them in their brain every time a leadership, something needs to be said or an action needs to be taken or something. They just can't help themselves. Right. Yeah. Become these leaders. Thus, the but but they're always reluctant because it sucks. Yeah. Having people rely on you and fucking having to do all this shit and people follow you. And if it's on your shoulders and you're just trying to live. Yeah. And you can trust them. Right. I mean, you can trust the reluctant way more than if fucking like uh, Ted Cruz or some shit tries to, like you know, tell you what to do. You're like, right. "Hmm, I feel like you have an agenda, you know? Well, yeah. Then there's the leaders that ascend to the position for an agenda, you know? Yeah. Uh, they were bullied in school or they need a platform for people to listen to them. Freaking daddy didn't love them, you know, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, um, <clears throat> they they think being a leader is a position in which they can exploit other people for from, which you can if you're a piece of shit, you know. Right, right. And then that's how dictators are born, essentially, you know. Yeah, the reluctant leaders, I I say, you know, always reluctant just because it sucks. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and look at like like that's in uh, Plato's Republic. Okay, yeah. like when they're outlining the Republic, the ideal city, uh, Socrates says we need we need leaders. The the philosopher king who's going to be a reluctant leader, and then um, as they're talking, someone asks like, okay, well, how much do we pay them? And then so- Socrates is like, pay them nothing like like it shouldn't be people who are doing it right right for any kind of like transactional thing it, it's people who are doing it because they feel called by ethics or or whatever right. you know some kind of like deeper calling vocation that that end up doing it he goes if we start giving them you know all the riches in the world for leading the state you know that's going to call in all these assholes so he goes we want them to live in like austere settings we don't want it to be a pleasurable thing you know we we want we want to attract people who are truly called to it right which has always been bizarre to me the like picking of the buddha because you just have to they go find buddha reincarnated right in a child oh yeah so weird yeah and uh like the dalai lama thing right the dalai lama thing that's not conducive to that theory of leadership yeah because you're chosen as a leader you know Mm. and yeah and that's bizarre i think that's one of those things that's just like beyond our cultural understanding where it's like they literally go into like poor people's houses and 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 pick up a baby and, and be like this is ours now right right and then from what i've heard and read and stuff you know i've never 
come across anyone firsthand who's had that experience but at least from what i've read it's like people are psyched about it they're like oh shit our child's the chosen one great here you go right just like check him out you know yeah so crazy can you imagine <laughs> what a like brain fuck that'd be to be a child and then all of a sudden oh yeah yeah like, okay you're gonna go with like these two guys strangers have a great life you know <laughs> chosen and then like even like down to the that the night of so scared and just like yeah yeah going on why where's my parents yeah they're telling me to wear this weird robe and like they're shaving my head in a few hours like yeah yeah just weird man what wild yeah human beings yeah and then freaking um have you ever heard of krishna murdy no He's like a Indian dude, dead now. This is like mid twentieth century, something like that. He's pretty old, old then. But um, he was he was raised by whatever like religious group. I think like the uh, Theosophists or something like that. He was like raised to be the chosen one. You know, he was he was literally groomed to be like the Messiah. You know, okay. um, and I heard from one source that I get. I guess there was some like pedophilia stuff going on there too you know and um so krishnamurti grows up and his books are incredible his talks are incredible i mean he definitely is like a pretty awakened figure um but he ends up like rejecting the the group that brought him up of course you know and was just like no you guys are like he kind of took the clarence darrow stance you know just the sort of anti-all ideology you create your own ideology create your own freedom right um and then essentially just did like books and lecture tours that are just like stop following people that's that's <laughs> not where you're gonna find truth yeah yeah look inwards look inwards figure it out for yourself he goes the minute you finish this book burn it because it's it's trash it means nothing right right you know that a lot yeah interesting guy though yeah religions are 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 strange praise the other thing i was thinking too this week was if there is a god, there is there there's gotta be two. There's probably two in terms of, you know, the masculine and the feminine representation of existence. Mm, I like that. If there's not two, then God is definitely a they. That's what I was yeah. saying. God's a they. God's they. For <laughs> God's, God's metro. <laughs> God's metro to the max. Full metro. metro. <laughs> right? I mean, because if there is a God, according to like the Christian thing, and we're made in said God's image. Yeah. Well, then he may even have, you know, not just male, female, human, but also the image of also the animals as well, right? Yeah. Some yeah. Sort of like multiple multiple species got right. it with like hey. numerous heads and fucking souls and spirits right yeah i don't know yeah thoughts on god yeah here's here's a narrative i was deciding whether or not i wanted to uh reveal this on the pod but uh whatever um so back in january i did this like mushroom thing and saw a um lion-headed god right i'm lost in the woods and see this lion-headed god and i didn't know what to do so then i just sat there and started 
breathing and next to a tree. And then um, this lion headed God comes up and then I'm just breathing with this lion headed God. And then I became aware of the lion headed God. And then he was like, he was a gatekeeper figure and he was like, Nope, you messed up. You almost stepped through the gate, but not this time. Um, Cause it was kind of like this, uh, awareness and separation sort of thing like when i was like almost just in unity with with the things around me and with the the lion head of god um you know then i could pass through the gate because it was seeing the unity of all things but then once i saw it and i was like oh i get it now it's about unity you know then the god was like nope you missed it you lost it because in order to see unity there has to be separation so then the unity leaves Ah, right okay so that, you know, that was some weird head game I'm playing with myself. And then I find out a few months later, and I got obsessed with this thing. I made a mural on that ceiling mural in Albuquerque yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was the lion head. Yeah, that was based on that. And um, a few months later, I find out that the earliest, the earliest uh, like statue figure in human history that we've ever found is a lion headed figure that we found in a German cage for, cave from 40,000 years ago. Right. Right. So now I'm like, Whoa, lion headed God. That's crazy. You know, and it, it comes up. I mean, the, they, they come up in Egyptian mythology and Egyptian oh, sure. stuff. Yeah. So they're around Egyptian headed gods are around, but it's fascinating that the oldest, I mean, arguably the oldest piece of art itself is a lion headed God. Right. I think even in revelations or something, God comes down as a lion or some shit like that. There's some like biblical. Right. Yeah. Cause there's the four figures, right? It's like the angel, the eagle, the lion and the, and right, the right. ram or something. That's pretty crazy. You met that guy though, but yeah. And then I met him again. Little. Oh, okay. Met him again. Good. Yeah. Met him again. We're homies now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, then, man, I was really thinking about what happened, and you know, it was pretty unifying, man. Because yeah. <laughs> then I, I did this, you know, mushroom thing in 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 my in my room like a week ago, two weeks ago, and um, and I'm sitting there having getting really scared. I you know took too much too fast, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> I mean, it, it was like four grams. It was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had been talking about like the God dose and all that. I don't know what a God dose is. I know the heroic dose is five grams. I don't know if that's the same thing, but the Skeksky. Uh, yeah, the Skeksky um, dose. I think, uh, I think it's seven grams. That's insane. I will never do that. That's so yeah ridiculous. Um, anyway, so it was four and, um, and I'm getting freaked out. Like I was getting really scared. I mean, I saw myself as like an old fragile person on the, on the verge of death. I was, I was like, <laughs> I was like walking, I was like pacing around my room with a hunched back, like, <laughs> like a Skeksis. Skeksis. <laughs> I was like, what's I... happening to me? <laughs> and then, um, and then I sit on my bed. I was like, I was like, gee whiz, I need to calm down. <laughs> and then, um, I'm getting really scared, like really freaked out. Um, like I thought I was going to die. I, I literally thought like I was dying. I was like, oh, I, I OD'd. I did it. That's it. I'm done. I'm dying. Um, right. I'm not you. You have to eat like freaking 
60 grams of mushrooms to die though it's like something crazy oh you gotta eat like a couple hundred grams yeah yeah seriously so but either way in that state i was really freaked out and i'm just like lying on my bed and then the uh trying to breathe and literally checking my pulse to make sure i wasn't dying and then um this lion-headed figure again appears and um and I was really feeling the uh, the suffering of the world, like um, just, I don't know, my heart was breaking. I could just feel all of the world suffering and, and I was really grieving really hard. And, um, and I felt the world dying, right? I felt the world itself coming to a, to a close. And, um, and this line headed figure appears again and and i'm and i'm going no it can't it can't you know um like it can't die it's not i'm not ready you know and then the lion-headed figure he goes um with compassion he just goes i'm sorry but this is what's happening and and communicate i didn't see it but communicated to me like we're it we lost you know the world's ending right um and reflecting on that, I'm not sure if that was a um, an ego death thing where he was like, you're dying, you know, in this experience, the ego dying, or, you know, or literally external to me, he was like, no, the world's actually dying and we're at the end times, you know, with this kind of stuff, I usually choose to view the uh, personal internal side because then you, otherwise you become the guy on the street holding the sign that's like, the end is near, you know? Right, right. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of foundations lately. Have you read foundations, Isaac? No, what's that? Uh, just this wild uh, sci-fi that's oh, cool. you know, religion-based and like, you know, war-based. And they're essentially trying to start a foundation because this girl like you has visions of the end of the world. Yeah. And, uh, Harry Salden, a, a doctor, predicts through mathematics the end of the world's coming. So he creates right. the idea of creating foundations so we can survive, you know, mm -hmm. past the end of the world. And uh, <clears throat> let's hope it's not that, because <laughs> if it is foundations, then which the, the, the end's coming soon. And here's another crazy thing to think, too, is I've been like, me and you have both been freaking out, texting each other about the end of the world lately. <laughs> Aliens, yeah. Yellowstone, the freaking cult right. stopped moving. First reformed, you know? Yeah, yeah. See, and I think like, okay, on one hand, and then in that experience after that, the line told me that, and then I was able to just let go and then, and then emptied out into just peace and and tranquility and and all of that so I, I i do think it was more about me and kind of holding on too tight and then and then needing to let go in order to um enter you know experience peace essentially so i think it was more yeah. about me did than, you than get me. peace did you feel peace after you came back to the planet earth were you did you feel relief as yeah say that right a burden was finally, you know, casted away or, or. Right. Yeah. Cause we've talked about this, right? Like, you know, the, the heroic dose, God dose, silver bullet that just like, you know, cures depression, whatever. And 
No, <laughs> is the short answer. Uh, the long answer, though, is this is why I prefer a daily meditation practice to, um, you know, psychedelics is because uh, daily meditation just sticks more. You know, you're not getting the fireworks. You're not talking to freaking lion headed gods, but you're just kind of breathing and feeling a bit calmer every day, just a little bit, just a little bit more present and a little bit more calm every day. That's all. It's nothing crazy. Um, whereas with like the psychedelic thing, it's like, I mean, I really like peace, just wow, like let go into the universe. And like, it really is all unity and love and, and, and gratitude and God, wow, you know, so beautiful. Um, and it felt like this, uh, like monkey on my back for my whole life has, has got jumped off finally, like the monkey on my back jumped off. And then, um, and then I sobered up more and I was drawing and just feeling so flowy and great. And then the next day was pretty good. And then the next day was okay. And then, and then honestly just fell back into kind of habitual thought patterns and things like that. Um, and the monkey came, the monkey's back on my back. But I think like these experiences are more like they're, they're, they're openings and glimpses into the future. I think more than they are a cure, you know, it's kind of like, look, everything is, peace is there, it is available, you know, it is there and it is available. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not sure how to like bring that in, in a more consistent daily way, but, but having like glimpsed it is like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. I just, uh, well, what are your thoughts on, on microdosing then? Because that could be oh, yeah, kind of like yeah. a daily meditative, you know, gateway into into the realm, but not right. Really, you know, I haven't tried it really. I mean, you know, I've I've taken very small amounts and then sat and, but I don't know because I never was able to like uh, I never like measured it out enough where it's like you know you take a tiny tiny bit where you don't even feel it, but you just happen to have a really good day. You know, I haven't. I haven't tried that. I don't know. Have you? Uh, yeah, actually. I was just talking about this with Savannah, too. It, it's actually pretty nice. Like, my headaches went away. Oh, cool. You got headaches? I get a lot of headaches. Like, migraines bad. Oh, shit, yeah. And uh, those went away. I had higher energy throughout the day. And... Uh, and yeah, it felt good. But here's the thing. Some days I would like not gauge it right. So it either like not necessarily do anything at all or is a little bit too much. And I'd be like at Walmart, just like, oh, God. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how do you, how do you. I and God and the, and, yeah. and the cosmetics department. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wish these gods were a little bit more friendly, you know, like down to earth. And that's what pisses me off about the visions in the other. How do you mean that they just they appear so I've had visions in the other realm, too, especially like the demon coyotes and shit like that. Right, right. They always teach you something or whatever, but it's always such so cruel. It's like the meanest shit in the world. And you always got to be taken to like this really like crazy freaking, you know, uh, a horror movie-esque 
setting where you're facing death because you can actually communicate with one of these so-called freaking psychedelic entities you know mm. why can't it just be like bill and ted or something it's like yeah <laughs> we're really down to earth just like what's up guys i realize it's 2023 <laughs> i didn't want to freak it out okay <laughs> i did the yeah. cup, like a hipster from santa fe you know oh that'd be so sick i'd love that world's ending man i don't know let's go have a drink about it we can you know right right you know what though this reminds me though because another part after the like peace and love portion of it i was considering like um okay if the world is ending and i kind of think it is and i think there is a lot of like cultural degradation say you know i feel like we might have talked about this on the on the pod but like you know you look at like architecture from 500 years ago it's like these beautiful buildings that like reflect the culture of the place whereas now it's just like these big box stores that could have been like 3d printed or something you know it's like or people just like wearing sweatpants every everywhere where like 200 years ago people are wearing fucking suits and feathers and cool stuff you know um so I think there's a sense of kind of like maybe cultural or aesthetic backsliding or something like that. And then it was this feeling of like, okay, well, if the world's ending, you know, what's, what's my role in it or what's one possible role. And what came to me was like preservation, preservation of ideas, of traditions, of, of culture, of art, you know, which I mean, take the role of, of the scholar, right? I mean, there you go. I mean, to be to be the the scholar at the end of the world, it's like, sure, it's ending, but but to still preserve it and to still carry something forward, you know, even if no one sees it or whatever. I mean, there's something uh, very profound there, I think. Yeah. Say more about the scholar there. I was, I was having a good role of thought of conscious. I need more minute, though. Okay. Um, well, okay. I guess another thing I was thinking is sort of like traditions, preservation of traditions, like, and this is big in Buddhism where it's like, you track the tradition, like, like, you know, your teacher's teacher, you know, your teacher's teacher, teacher, you know, your, you know, all those people. And the idea is because it's, it's your teach. one teacher is passing it down to the next to the next it's a very humanistic transition from one person to the next and there's just like a general sense of respect and honor in that you know um and i think to do that in the arts as well you know people who have you know regard their teachers and where they learn their craft you know or, or scholarship too right i mean people are aware of of the traditions that their committee members and and mentors were working in and you know, all the way back, you know, I mean, it is it like academia is a human to human transition of knowledge, which is actually quite beautiful, you know, compared to, I mean, you know, podcasts and YouTube are great. There's nothing wrong with those, but I think there's also something valuable in just the sort of like person to person transition of tradition and knowledge. So even as traditions and uh, knowledge are perhaps being erased. I say perhaps because I'm not firm on that, but perhaps being erased um, to keep the lights on. You know, I think, I think that's, that's huge. You know, whether you're doing it as an artist, if you're doing it as a scholar, if you're doing it as a um, whatever, I don't know. I'm sure there's some like martial arts and stuff that are still being passed down that are 500 years old, a thousand years old, you know, to, to just keep the lights on as everything gets darker, I think is, uh, there's an immense value there. 
Well, I think the oral, it's nice too, because it's an oral tradition, which is interesting in, in an ancient form of, of passing along, you know, knowledge and information. Anecdotal, even math itself, right, is is usually taught through in these in-person classes where you have to verbalize the story of numbers, the language. Mm, I understand, yeah. In order for people to, you know, futures to understand and more than that, add to it, right? Yeah. Uh, I find even the journey of like becoming a philosopher scholar to be very interesting how you're, you're really, it's really based on like, 50 50 oral tradition and the written tradition where you're reading but you're also you it's not just the reading you have to read but in order to pass or become a fundamental philosopher or scholar of humanity you must respond to what has been wrote right thus creating your own written tradition and oral tradition so you must participate in the oral tradition in order to learn how to become somebody who can uh decipher or come up with valid philosophical concepts you know even oppenheimer was one of them too just like who who has theory who's gonna have theory right it was his homie who was gonna do theory freaking you know these are all ways of like you're saying the continuation of um of humanity basically and the sh- and the survival of it nonetheless and yeah. the building upon of it yeah now when you say the end of the world that's a little bit different mm. why would it end that's my question how how is it going to end sure that's is it well, a philosophical ending? Is it a me- metaphorical ending? Have we, Has it already ended? This is what I was telling Savannah, and she told me to stop freaking her out. <laughs> <laughs> Did the world end in 2012? Yeah. And we metaphorically are ex- exploded or something like that, or like hit by a giant lava and got decapitated or something. And they say the last three seconds of a human brain's life is so flooded with chemicals that mm. it seem like three lifetimes or a lifetime that you live before your brain actually stops. So we could be living that right now. Right. The world could have ended and is ending right now. It's 2012 right yeah. now. And the world <laughs> is ending. We just got fucking hit by a massive rock. Right. Or drowning or something like that and this is the final three seconds of our lives boom sure, it's sure. Just turn off you know <laughs> at any moment so i want to okay i want to get into that but first i looked up this uh henry david thoreau quote because what you were saying about philosophers reminded me of this quote but i couldn't quite remember it so henry david thoreau says to be a philosopher is not merely to have subtle thoughts nor even to found a school but so to love wisdom as to live according to its dictates, a life of simplicity, independence, magnanimity, and trust. So I like that quote because he just points out, he's like, it's not just hanging out with cool ideas. It's 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 kind of being a renegade. It's being a maverick to use uh, John McCain's term. It's... it's... <laughs> 
independence right yeah 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 but just like living it you know you're not just and respecting the tradition of like he is saying exactly you're carrying a tradition forward you're living it you're 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 it's a higher form of being a human i think you know like literally higher level consciousness and that's not to higher archive it that's not to say that some people aren't capable of of living you know beautiful fantastic philosophical lives i think everyone is but but it's a choice you know but he says it's it's a lived thing it happens more in action than in words you know it's actually um, like if if you like history and you like you know the novelty of like the citadel and game of thrones and shit yeah then i think that it's it's a romanticized life but I don't think that it's necessarily yeah. an ideal one or like where you sure. necessarily find ultimate happiness. It may right. be on a higher something, uh, metaphorically speaking, right? Yeah. Uh, on an independent level, a soul level, understanding, right. you know, but just like the Matrix, do you really want to know that that stake is not real, you know? Is I actually do. Well, yeah, we're philosophers, right? <laughs> we spent our whole life in stupid <laughs> literature programs and grad school, um, <clears throat> writing books and shit. But we we like Zion, but not everybody does. And listen, right? In Zion isn't the funnest. You man, those beds That's... look uncomfortable. You got to eat shit oatmeal every yeah. day, and uh, you know the clothing is terrible. God. <laughs> i think they look pretty cool actually those like ragged ass sweaters that they all wear in zion <laughs> oh man this is terrible the skid row and then <laughs> and oh, then man. uh you're constantly getting attacked by robots you know right like, right you are getting attacked by robots very often yeah in in, in the philosophical realm <laughs> oh, right right yeah metaphorically speaking <laughs> yeah right right but <laughs> but for real though like yeah i don't know there's there's just something i yeah i really like about that that it's about living out you know these higher ideals this is what i like too about that quote is it's about uh uh it's about an independent renegade as (laughs) who actually is the preserver or very much, you know, cares for and continues on the preservation yeah. of the tradition of knowledge and right. learning and conceptualization. You know, anybody could be like, uh, I bet you they make subway sandwiches, you know, as a form right. of a way of, of like capitalism. Not, you know? Right, right. Well, that's not being a philosopher. That's just being a freaking high idiot that's eating at subway and is bored you know right yeah it's the person that's actually living according to the traditions of yeah being well read being well wrote you know and also being well heard in Mm. terms of the auditory conceptualization of learning where you have not only read x amount of texts and ideas and methodology that people spend a lifetime on you've also heard the oral tradition of various philosophers and teachers teaching you and then getting your input and criticizing and accepting and 
the back and yeah. forth. That's what makes, that's what allows you to go on your own and right. carry on the tradition of, you know, being a philosopher essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Living traditions. Yeah. Yeah. So is the world ending and what's that mean to go back to that question? Um, yeah. I mean, okay. In like a very literal way, I mean, it's always ending and always beginning, right? I mean, every, every breath you, you die with every, every exhale and you're rebirthed with every inhale, right? I mean, every, every moment is this unique emanation that's, that's different from the last. So, I mean, is, is, so is the world ending? Like, yes, it just did. And it did again and again and again and again. Like it's always just in a state of movement, a state of becoming a state of rebirth. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, has, has it ended in that like big apocalyptic kind of way that, that we think of? Um, yes, that too. I mean, like I'm thinking of, uh, Okay, what what were people feeling leading up to the industrial revolution? Right? I mean, I feel like that's maybe similar to uh what we're feeling now is this sense of like there's a lot of change. I don't know what this world is anymore. I just spent like 20 years farming that plot of land and saw a freaking car for the first time yesterday. And in a few months, they're going to launch the first spaceship. Like, what the fuck, you know? So Industrial Revolution, I'm sure there that did feel like a kind of uh, collapse for a lot of people. They, their world was ending. Traditions were ending and new ones were beginning. Um, that's become more rapid. You know, I think that's the difference is that an individual's life between, let's say, the year 1500 and the year 500, um, not that different for most people you know whereas an individual's life between 2023 and like 1993 pretty significantly different actually you know so that that turnover rate seems to be increasing and um alan moore the guy who wrote uh watchman and all that he has he has a line about culture where he says culture starts as a solid becomes a liquid and then becomes a vapor in the same way that atoms are moving more quickly as as a substance transitions from liquid to vapor he goes we're in the vapor state everything's moving so fast now what comes after vapor i don't know does it does it just stay vapor does it turn back into a solid mm-hmm. i'm not really sure so or, you know i think we're on the cusp of some like pretty significant revolution of change, you know, I don't, I don't know what that's going to entail. I'm not going to pretend to know, but uh, yeah, I think we're on the, on the edge of some significant change for sure. So go with me on this one. So the vapor <laughs> turns into a cloud, right? Okay. And rains back on and reforms into a liquid. So it's constantly this reformation project. First right. of all, Second of all, I think we're going to come up with a good, good prescription and 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 uh, diagnoses here of the human condition. The issue is <laughs> the world hasn't ended, and it doesn't really look like it's going to end anytime soon. Sure. 
And I think that we constantly fear over it and we bring it up and we talk about it. Not to say we shouldn't be like conscious of things like climate control, et cetera, right? It's a work in progress, you know, nuclear war, whatever. <clears throat> but, you know, having been conscious of it and, you know, human beings have been around for a very long time, right? They even found cave paintings the other day, 300,000 years old. Um, we're anxious because it's not ending and end ends are a way to end anxieties, right? Mm. Sometimes you need to end a relationship. So you block the person and you delete their number. You don't even know, remember what it was. You delete your social media, whatever. It's a deletion. It's an end. It's something yeah. that can be there, there is a kind of control release. over. Yes, there's a release and it's a finality, right? Mm. And we get very stressed out with a society who we're dating, uh uh, you know, <laughs> how much money we're making, politics, who's president, Trump, freaking yeah. old man winters, you know, whoever it is, <laughs> we're yeah. freaking out and we a, a, a finality to that all would be asteroid boom. We didn't have to think about it. Just like, well, right. we tried, yes. motherfuckers. Yeah, we're all dead. You know, let's freaking jam out to some like Led Zeppelin, have a joint, and burn, baby, burn. You know, because there is a release in that. There's nothing you can do about it. It's over. The world is ending, right? But we freak out because it's not gonna end, and we have no control to end it. Yeah, but the only way we can channel that is by engaging in fear talk, essentially, mm. that the world has ended or it's going to end or it's clear yeah. that we're fucked, you know. Right. And there's arguments to be made that there are, but really, shit, I'm looking outside. You know? <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow's probably going to be there, too. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying what's more probable is we create this anxiety because there's a release in it. Um, there is a I, w- I went and watched the Demeter today. The Demeter, so good. Freaking the the based on the captain's logs and Dracula, the boat that brought his dirt and dwelling to. England, you know, un, unbeknowing, and he ate the whole crew. Whoa. part of that whole book. <laughs> so cool, too, that book. That yeah. that particular scene, because I read it when I was like 14, and I've always said, that's the best part of the book. They need to make a movie out of that part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. there's a good line in there where the, there's like one of the learned members of the crew, you know, went to Cambridge and shit, you know. And, uh, the captain tells him just like, listen, you're going to come to realize that the world isn't meant to be understood. Mm. The world is meant to be experienced. Yeah. So yeah. You start living it essentially, you know, and I don't know. I think that might've hit pretty hard too. So, yeah, that's a great line. I mean, that, that is, that's the line. That is the line. I love that. That's And that's something in this past year, I feel like, has been something that's been bubbling up for me. 
even in like um sessions with my therapist and stuff where it's like i'm trying to like understand something painful end of the world right and it's like and i've gotten to these points where i'm just like i don't don't understand that and i'm never going to i'm not ever going to be able to wrap my head around this that and the world suffering okay so i used that like never going to be able to wrap my head around that it's just seems so it's like the dark sublime or something it's something so holy shit you know i mean life is wildly overwhelming but then once you stop trying to figure it out and just be with it then and then it then it okay all right it's just happening but that's a hard spot that's a hard sense of peace to to step into because it's you can't well am i going to tell my mind stop thinking yeah ready go stop thinking you know but there is something to it though you know like almost immediately i felt anxiety about a situation in my life while i was watching it Mm -hmm. because i always try to like take control over relationships or whatever just right oh this isn't good enough or that's not this or this is right you know jerry seinfeld style yeah when really like, one at time. stop trying to understand everything and just start experiencing your life yeah and then maybe you'll start living with less regrets uh that yeah let's take a let's take a pee break i got i got i gotta use the bathroom Dracula that much. Vlad the Impaler. Oh yeah, I guess we've never talked about Vlad the Impaler. I was doing research <laughs> at some of his battles, you know, just a wild individual. Like uh, one battle he they sent like a regiment, right? They they invaded a Turkish regiment. And they murdered everybody. Like they they fucking zero prisoners killed everybody. So he ordered them to impale all the soldiers and set up them on stakes in a forest. So when the second regiment would come, they'd have to walk through that forest. Is that where he got the name, the impaler? I think so. Yeah. And apparently according to records, he like then was like, had his chef like serve him food and shit. And he like camped out in that forest for a few days like dined amongst all the soldiers who were impaled hey imagine the smell and then uh the like brutality and then the soldiers walk through 
the forest and they freaked out and they didn't attack him. They left. They thought he was like some sort of devil or something, you know? Yeah, I would. Right. And then, uh, and then there was another story where the Turks send a messenger and, uh, he come, the messenger comes into the palace, whatever, talking to freaking Vlad. And he tells him to take off his turban, which was like highly disrespectful back then. And uh, the messenger refused, you know, take his turban off. So Vlad had the turban nailed to his head and sent him on his way. It's just uh, there's these these figures in history that are like what drives someone to that sort of madness? Is it the protection of your country? (laughs) No, there's something off right i mean i i I guess today it's stuff that we would diagnose as like you know psychotic behavior or whatever kind of antisocial disorder to to the extreme right um but somehow these people just like find them find themselves in power because there's probably a vlad the impaler who just like lived out in the country as a freaking peasant and just like maybe like I don't know, murdered some rabbits or something in in a weird way when he was a kid, but didn't do much else because it's like he's a peasant in the woods. Right. You know, it's like, but then somehow this this guy becomes like the leader of a country. Right, exactly. So then just has so much more power and leeway to do these horrendous things. Well, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, the reek, reek and that, that, you know, bastard (laughs) is king. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you get this Jeffrey Dahmer dude who ends up being in power, you know, has some disgusting appetites, you know. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, OK, take, uh, you know, our presidents um, in recent years and. You know, and I'm not going to specify any because this sounds like it could have been several of them, but like going to Epstein's Island. Freaking Clinton, Trump. Um, hanging out at Epstein's Island, given they're not nailing hats to people's heads, you know, that presumably sure. wasn't going on, but who knows, but they were at least, you know, human trafficking. They're, they're indulging in the human trafficking of, of young girls in their early teens. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. You know, that's, that's oh, pretty that's, gruesome too. That's, that's yeah. That's, Maybe not at the level of, uh, you know, impaling everyone and sticking them around on yeah but i mean (laughs) look at what we did we uh, hanging freaking uh you know saddam throwing bin laden in the ocean and like you know all the drone attacks and like by god the nuclear bomb One hundred and ten thousand people a1 exactly bro Uh and even that because i saw oppenheimer the other day and like Oh, yeah, your thoughts, your thoughts. Yeah, there's something very peculiar about... Okay, so he spent really... It sounds like the first half of his life was spent building up towards the uh, the perfection of the bomb. And then where we talked about this in, in last week's episode, where we, he literally says, I've become death, the, the destroyer. Of, like, who says shit like that? That's crazy. Right. So he spends the first half of his life leading up towards the bomb. And then the second half of his life, trying to warn people against it, you know, and the damage that can be done and trying to like, um, you know, help 
help develop some like armistice or peace treaties and things like that because he he was oh shit look at what i've unleashed you know right um and there seems to be something really peculiar there where it's like what'd you think you were doing you know like so i don't know if people just get sort of like i don't know caught caught on these on these missions you know these sometimes dark sometimes light missions and get obsessed with them and then and then achieve them and it's like a gateway and then once they're on the other side they're just like oops you know and then spend the rest of their life trying to uh you know put put the monster back in the box he opened pandora's box and and then spent the rest of his life trying to put the demons back in the box right right which is so weird you know did he not know what he was actually doing you know what what's that about which is probably what becoming death feels like that's probably a thing right in history mm. throughout history he's not the one who came up with the quote right he right yeah Sanskrit too yeah it's an ancient and, and this probably happens with people like Genghis Khan uh Vlad the Impaler uh Jeffrey Dahmer etc but you get then this same the same spirit or possession of becoming death the ownership or the or the uh administrator of death yeah. even in a moral or righteous cause like ending world war ii and uh the feeling when you're have the power over life that's some Foucault shit right there. I'm sure it's a mind fuck, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Probably literally become death, you know. Interesting, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's a weird line, right? I mean, let's parse that out. Like, like I am become death. What can you become death? Was I even like we can die? We know that, right? But what's it mean to like I am become death? Like, like Grim Reaper death? Is that what that means? Like, you know, okay, I'm i'm responsible for the death of all these people so now i'm i'm kind of grim reaper style bill and ted death is it i am become death like something in me has died my humanity you know which is interesting too if you juxtapose that with a religious rhetoric of becoming life mm. life's bread right right the body is is the life you know the blood right. the life uh you individuals can also become death so what does it also mean to become life and what are the gateways to becoming to uh you know becoming possessed by such such a spirit or thought or hey. ambition having such a goals wait I have, I have some thoughts on that but i just want to send a text Also, you might want to turn a lamp on. It's feel like I'm in a 60 minute episode. Yeah, talking about death of the dark. <laughs> All right, one second. Sorry, a homie's uh moving from New Mexico to Washington and he's passing through Denver, so he's just let me know when he's coming oh, through. Nice, nice, cool. <laughs> I oh, am that i'm sitting in the dark <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. 
Uh, and like freaking Skeksis. I've seen the freaking lion god behind you. Which <laughs> <laughs> is so weird. I can't I can't take it. That is really bizarre. Yeah. But it's good though. I think you're really in touch. So what's your ancestry.com? Oh, okay, got this. Cause um okay, literally half Irish, half Italian. Which is kind of funny. It's like Wow. Yeah, like John McHugh, he did the uh ancestry.com. I did it too. And he he uh because his wife got it for him as a gift, and he was like, he was like, Why am I gonna do this? I already know I'm like full irish you know and you know how people always find out like no it actually turns out you have some like lithuanian or something he was just like no i'm irish i know i'm irish that's it like i don't know why i'm doing this but because it was a gift he does it and then it comes back and it's like 99.9999999 percent irish (laughs) and then like 0.00001 percent english so how many countries did he have on his thing like one, bro. He's been in Ireland for like the past ten thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> the mountains of Caucasus. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, and then I did it, and I'm so I'm half Irish, fifty percent Irish, forty seven percent Italian. I thought it was fifty, but forty seven percent Italian, and then with a little mixture of uh, Greek and uh, some other island in the Mediterranean. I forgot what, but wow. So. I can even tell you the number. I'm I have like 14 at least. Oh really? I'm like uh 27% um 27% native native american. Yeah. Northern or like northern northern native, I can't remember how they put it. So it's New Mexico and like, you know, northern Mexico. Yeah. And then I uh have and then it's like 25% Spanish from Spain, like yeah. from Spain. And then mad others, like 7% Irish, 8% really? Indian, uh, uh, Portuguese. I got freaking Norwegian in there, freaking. Wow. I'm going to go grab my phone. I, I'm going to show you all this shit because it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. All right, twenty-seven percent Indigenous Americas, Mexico, New Mexico, and Southern Colorado. Twenty-five percent Spanish, Spain. Twelve percent Portugal. Ten percent Indigenous North America. Six percent Basque. Oh, cool. Four percent Sweden and Denmark. Mm. 4% England and Northwestern Europe. 3% Sardinia. 3% Scotland. 2% North Africa. 2% Norway. 1% Senegal. And 1% Anatolia and the Caucasus. What the hell? Crazy, huh? That's crazy. When I showed uh, the girl I was dating Courtney at the time, because she paid for me to get this, you know, she couldn't believe it. She's like, I've never seen somebody in so many countries. You're like 31. That's cool. (laughs) You know, and sometimes I I feel like I can like get the various energies from you. Like sometimes you feel very Arthurian. You do have this kind of like, like, yeah, it's Arthurian kingly knight kind of vibe. Sometimes I could see that, you know, other times I do see like the, 
Native American, especially in Dion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dion's more native than I am. Yeah, yeah. But then I can also see some of the like Mexican in you. I can see see some Spanish too. It's it's weird. It's like some I, I don't know if they're just like energies or styles you can pick up on. But I can channel the the Caucasus Mountains, you know, Caucasian, <laughs> <laughs> Irish, Scottish. Pretty crazy. No, it's cool. But here here are my thoughts. Right, my thoughts were it would be hard for a for a cultural traditional like ancient fucking god like a lion god yeah to haunt me because i'm not necessarily full blood of whatever that god's culture would be Mm. now you on the other hand maybe you should do some research into like what'd you say was scottish irish irish english yeah Look into some Irish English folklore. You might. Oh, I'm way ahead of you. Yeah. Find some wild fucking lion headed shit in that. That's haunting you because you're an Irishman. You know, you just. Found yeah. So, no, I've done this. I, I went down a whole, you know, research journey looking into Irish mythology and history and culture. And uh, I mean, the Celtic, Celtic culture is fascinating. It, it's, it's beautiful. Um, kind of this nature-based culture, more, more matriarchal. Um, actually, Irish history has kind of a similar colonial history as, as Native American. I mean, it, you know, it happened in different ways, of course, but like, um, okay, so the Celts, similar to like, you know, indigenous cultures are very nature conscious and, and, a bit more matriarchal and all these things have like rich story traditions, all of that. And then the British went over into Ireland and fucked them up like really bad. You know, uh, they had, you know, everyone spoke ancient Irish, they spoke Gaelic and then were forced to speak English, uh, brought into boarding schools. They did that to the Irish and the Welsh. Um, so there's a lot of love parallels there. Um, but yeah, so Celtic culture was this really rich thing. They had the Druids, which were kind of the uh, spiritual priest class, and they were all doing mushrooms. You know, everyone everyone knew. Uh, like if you if you look at uh, ancient Celtic art, a lot of them is it's mushroom art. It's literally images of of shamanic figures eating mushrooms. It's images of like um, cows or or bulls with like mushrooms for their horns. It's like these guys were obsessed with mushrooms. <laughs> um well even the like leprechaun that's a idea yeah leprechaun's like a weird deity um so there's i mean there's quite a bit there and then during this um trip and giving given you know i i I like celtic knots you know and i've used them in some of my art pieces they're just i like them the style's really fascinating to me um but the celtic knot i mean there's a deep deep metaphorical and spiritual significance to it it's similar to like a labyrinth you know it's similar to uh um i don't know a dna strand something like that and then during this mushroom thing i was just seeing celtic knots just nothing but celtic knots running through my body experiencing my dna as uh as celtic knots my my muscles uh interweaving together like celtic knots you know so i was seeing oh the celtic knots and then the Celtic knot is the dramas, the is the anxiety and the thoughts that we get caught in, and then we need to cut the knot or undo the knot. So all the all this imagery was 
was coming through i saw like an eagle that was adorned with celtic knots you know pick me up and fly me it's beautiful um so that's all there and then there's also all this um kind of in indigenous imagery and stuff like that which isn't my culture so i don't know if it's you know we've talked about this in the past if it's like the land's memory or, or just or just something i'm interested in so it comes out i'm not really sure but you know seeing a lot of um like hearing the drumming as i'm just lying silently in my bed is fascinating you know do you think that could be your english generational you know coming to the americas freaking your vision of the aztec god ripping your heart out you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> could that be a correlation of like past life trauma of your english your english family members you know no i don't think so because my family didn't come here until the 20th century i mean um gen- yeah, like, in England. yeah genetically in ireland but like they because my grandma is, is irish you know she came over in the 40s um my grandpa, I never met him because he died before I was born. He was Irish, came over in the 30s or something. Uh, on the Italian side, they were in Italy until like 1910 or something. And then they came to the U.S. So, no, there and they all stayed on the East Coast. There wasn't any, you know, contact with the Southwest. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, I don't know if uh, I don't know how how it all works, you know. No, but you're so Irish and English. Yeah. Like not English. Not English. I thought it forty percent English. 60%. No, 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 no. No. Oh. Uh fifty percent Irish, forty seven percent Italian, and then a little mixture Italian, of stuff. Italian. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that just changes everything up then. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. everything up. This kills my concept conceptualization of generational, you know, colonialism. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, like I think the the Celtic Druidic imagery was coming through because I mean, genetically, it's there. I mean, I, I had a vision once that I was in Ireland during my grandmother's childhood, um, and so I think that's there. That's all kind of genetically. There's genetic memory there of Ireland and, and Italy. I haven't tapped too much into the Italian side. I mean, I've I've read some Italian literature and am familiar with some Italian artists, the Renaissance, but never had these like deep, deep, you know, dreams and visions and stuff like that of Italy. It's it's always been of Ireland or the Southwest. Weird. We yeah. should go. We should go to Rome or Florence or something like that. Yeah, right. Uh, Venice. That would be interesting. Yeah. Because it interests me, too, because you have such, you know, distinct bloodlines. Right. Where, you know, standing in the Colosseum, you're probably like, you know, Uncle <laughs> Juridico <laughs> stood in these halls, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I went to, I was in Ireland in 2017 for a week on like a family trip. And, uh, you know, I did feel like a connection. There was a sense of just like. I think it was a few things. I mean, you know, it's like, it's not nearly as diverse as America. So you go over there and there's a sense of just like, like y'all are related, you know, (laughs) you all look the same, you know, and there's a sense of, I don't know, like it's a much smaller country. It's a much less diverse country than America. And there's this sense of just sort of like, I don't know, almost like, uh, like you can't wrap your head around America because it's so big. 
so there's just a sense of like maybe a little bit more groundedness um but then also i just kind of felt like visiting where my grandparents grew up it was like oh okay like could kind of feel something you know that's why i think i saw the demon coyote and the sun god at the cross of the martyrs because it's yeah. interesting because the majority of my bloodline is from america i told you i was the most american man even. no you are yeah yeah and uh <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title the most american man but really though like if we're thinking about past lives generational memories you know passed down whatever it may be mm-hmm. a lot of my you know linkage through the spirit realm is actually native american you know yeah from the americas and i think a lot of my spanish blood that comes later same sort of thing like great great grandpa took a ship down from spain you know yeah or like 1910 whatever 20th century early 20th century you know right um and then you know the mixture of a bunch of of all forms i'm basically the clarence darrow of genetics you know (laughs) (laughs) could hop around you know could hop around yeah um yeah american man is what hey here's a here's a question for you because okay so i mentioned during this most recent uh trip i was getting i was getting a lot of like indigenous sort of uh imagery coming up and, and i could literally hear like anytime i've heard like uh you know drumming like you know you go to santa fe in the plaza you know people are drumming stuff like that i never like understood the rhythms of it you know because my my musical ear is so attuned to like i don't know just like i don't know rock whatever i don't know just like co- colonial america music you know um so I, I never like fully understood like the the rhythms and can fully feel them and pick up on them. But then during this trip, I was like, literally heard drumming and I was like, oh, I get it. And having these images of like dancing around the fire and, you know, chanting and all this stuff. Right. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. That was just really coming up and I was, like, okay, am I, you know, picking up on the land's memory? Is past life stuff non-linear and non-spatial where, you know, I could be like a Chinese girl in 500 BC and then be a Native American dude in 1000 BC and then be this white guy in the US in 2023? You know, does it does it bounce around, you know? Um, and then also it's, it's interesting because I, I also like like I am very aware of like, you know, cultural appropriation, all that shit, you know, and think it is like pretty unbecoming to say the least when, you know, it's like white people in the Southwest, like, like wanting to be native American shamans and stuff like that, you know? Um, But these images are organically coming through. I'm not like, you know, running around the plaza drumming now or something like that, you know, but it's just, I don't know where they're coming from and maybe it is just from having lived in the southwest for a pretty extended period of time where it's like you know that is a culture that like i've i'm aware of you know so just kind of like is seated in my brain those images and then just kind of pops out you know but any 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 thoughts on that 
So the Irish tradition is actually really musical too, right? With the fiddles and the freaking sure, yeah, pipes. Oh yeah. Um, when you talk about like the American like rock white tradition of music, you know that's actually uh, holds roots in African American song, you know, dance, etc. Right. So the fact that you relate to that is actually you relating to some sort of actual native tradition. Sure. Always already, right? Right. Now, finally being able to understand, like, so I did the episode of Legends of War, Crazy Horse, right? Yeah. I can't remember which tribe he's from. Um, but I looked up actual warrior drum music from that tribe, you know, that that he most likely would have played during his battles, you know. Oh, interesting, yeah. During the battle of with Colonel Custer, you know, murdered Custard, you know. And that music is very distinct because <clears throat> and it's interesting that you finally are starting to understand the rhythm of it all. Right. And perhaps it is an adaptation to or an evolution rather of having lived in a native space for so long, you know, right. in the Southwest. But I think it might have been something that has always been already inside you, you know, which you could understand and vibe to. And that's perhaps where, you know, we discount psychedelics where that's something where over time that's proof of over time of of the ability of psychedelics to raise awareness and also allow you to evolve and adapt to a new human understanding right of yeah. something like native drumming and the spirit of it and and you know dancing around a fire like you said whatever it is and really being able to appreciate and um, participate in said culture, right? Yeah. So I don't know. In any event, I think it's good, and I think I think it's something that's all has all always already been there. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wherever it's coming from, it's like fascinating. And then even the end of the world stuff. Actually, I was contextualizing it and when i say i it wasn't me as uh, mushrooms and everything was just flowing out but it, it, contextualizing it in terms of like native experience where it's like you know i know native people are still doing their thing and here and everything but you know it's like the, their world you know ended you know got abducted and um and i think there's a wisdom there you know where to to know what it's like like like, oh, yeah, no, it's like we've seen the world end, you know? And I say that, like, you know, respectfully, I know there's still plenty of, like, Native people here and doing their thing, and that's fantastic and beautiful. Um, but, like, that specific world ended, you know? And and I think, like, you know, you'll see on, like, Native art today, like, con contemporary Native art, like, still here, hashtag still here, that sort of thing, where it's almost this, like, almost does have this kind of... um trickster sort of element to it where it's like look we're still here like we didn't end fuck you good try missed missed us you know still here haha -ha. you know and like 
talking about preserving tradition, philosophical traditions, all that stuff as, you know, culture seems to be declining in a big way. Which maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think there's a wisdom in that, like, still here, you know? How about this? Mm. We weren't able to go. Completely different perspective on it, right? Yeah, yeah. They left. Or or they were able to travel and we were left, right? Back to what I was saying about the anxiety of the end of the world and the calmness and stillness and peace of an end. They were allowed, you know, Native American culture such as the Aztecs, Mayans, etc. Machu Picchu, right? What happened to them? I'm talking about actual Native American cultures and history. Yeah. South American, North American, that disappeared, right? And just right. with the aliens or whatever. They went with Bilbo Baggins or something. People don't know huh. what happened to them, literally. Right. right. They're just one day gone. They were able to leave. And we're here still in freaking purgatory. Yeah. Right. Mm. We're in Middle Earth still fighting wars. It's the age of men right now. Right. What we really want to do is travel back to the Elvish lands, you know. Hey, I guess that's true because you look at like Chaco Canyon or something, and that's like a place yeah. that it, you know, it got abandoned, I think around 1200 or something, you know, so, you know, still quite a while, few, few centuries before any uh, European invaders, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's like, what, what the hell happened? Where'd those guys go? They dipped out before all that. They were place. able to leave, you know. Yeah chose to leave yeah they were invited to leave we were left oh man and now <laughs> we look to, towards them and the music and all this as you know signs to basically like the you know the alvish people that were blessed to live forever you know yeah, yeah. freaking pain to die on middle earth under the sword right I have this feeling sometimes about like ancient cultures where I'm like any of them anywhere that if, if we could go back and that they would have some kind of answers for us, but maybe they're just as confused as we are, you know, maybe we'd go back, meet up with like, I don't know, some, some guy in ancient Ireland and and he's just like, no, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, like it'd be even yeah it could even be more confused just like right yeah you're asking me for a lot yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh henry told me that there's real leprechauns nobody's ever seen one and yeah right right ireland you know yeah again i just wish that like you know people back in the day were really nice the gods that we would see in the mushroom land were really nonchalant and nice, you know? Yeah. And just a bit more conversational. Essentially. I wish reality was a nineties comedy, you know, family comedy movie. So yeah. Yeah. It'd be nicer if they just zoomed in like the aliens too, right. Instead of like popping in here and there, freaking us all out then leaving, you know, it'd be so nice if they were just like, all right guys, big announcement. Here's what's going on. Get you up to date on things. Yo, R E L A X. Just chill, man. You know, relax. (laughs) Here. You guys are really cool. Can we go to Vegas? You know. 
Can we go to Vegas? <laughs> Do some gambling. I don't know. I think that music in general, whether it's contemporary American punk, metal, reggae, freaking African, Jamaican, Alvis, Southern, you name it, right? Freaking Persian music. Uh, these are all ways of manifesting us into, uh, you know, this sense of like an otherworldly, otherworldly sense of peace and like unity. Yeah. You know, what, what was once separated will be one again, you know, back to the dark crystal ultimately. And the more music that you understand and can appreciate and relate to is, is gateways in which we can relate to learn and understand each other's not only individuality, but each other's culture, you know, right. perspectives, living in each other's shoes. Right. Back to what you said at the beginning of the episode, the oral tradition of continuing to pass things along to each other. Well, this is a way that we stay connected within the yeah. conscious through music, you know, a musical tradition. So Right. Hmm. Yeah. One more thing that came up though, that when I was seeing all these different, you know, ancient cultures, whatever images coming through all that stuff. It's funny because I've have engaged quite a bit at this point with Zen Buddhism, you know, Zap Japanese Zen Buddhism. And that culture actually doesn't resonate with me fully. I appreciate it because it's a, it's a practice that has helped my mental health pretty much but like but the culture itself doesn't fully come through you know and uh and i was thinking about it and i was like man it's a very sober culture too it's like the japanese zen it's all calligraphy just black and white everyone's wearing black robes it's not psychedelic at all they were not doing mushrooms or anything they were just like meditating all day but they were not doing any kind of you know psychedelic stuff i mean even like they don't really there's no like zen music like it's very austere it's very very pared down sounds like the conservatorium you know yeah but i think maybe what where it gets wild and out of the box is through thought you know very... yeah oh yeah it's definitely like very philosophically strong for sure but see that's one thing that pissed me off about Jehovah's witnesses too there was like the music mm -hmm flame and like you know beethoven and shit just like why can't we be like southern baptist freaking ah, <laughs> that'd be amazing man holy, holy. <laughs> i went to one of those churches for college of you know world religions oh cool and this guy had pipes yeah Dude, he got some freaking pipes when I left. He's like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, come back, come back. <laughs> um, But again, the, you know, pursuing things that that's one thing I do love about the Native American tradition is the connection with the land, medicine, mm. the artwork, the music, fire, food, the animals, yeah. the sky, you know, it's very... Oh, it's rich, yeah, it's beautiful. Visceral way of living, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about, like, uh, going back to that Henry David Thoreau quote, where he's like, it's philosophy in action. You know, it feels like that. It's not like 
sitting around talking about ideas. It's just philosophy in action. Right, right. Which I also, you know, I not only relate to that, I also relate to the deep, you know, historical tapestry of Spanish culture, you know, that's yeah, yeah. right there. Freaking Queen, Queen, Queen Isabella. Right. Starting the Inquisition. Oh my God. Yeah. Hey, we're back to Pele. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. You and Dion, you were both fucking chilling in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Chris hell yeah. Yeah. You were both like English knights at one point. Probably Roman centurions at one point. Eastadors. <laughs> Playing some flamenco music in like a cave. Basque prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. You were both Basque prostitutes. Legion <laughs> <Asian> generals. But... <laughs> On behalf of the Jareds, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. We will be back next week, and always remember. Perhaps, life is not meant to be understood. Maybe, life is meant to be experienced. Take care now.